What's up? This is Rayshon Jenkins, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. Hey guys, Chris Avery with you on a Week 13 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view, courtesy of Broncos beat writer Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. Also a bit later, our Beat Writers Roundtable previews Sunday's divisional showdown in the Mile High City. But first, a locker room roundup on this Thanksgiving weekend. All right, in the locker room with Desmond King as the Chargers. Five more games to go in the regular season. Looking to finish this thing strong against the Broncos. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we want to finish the season off right on the right path, you know, so we can, uh, you know, take what we can and, and go into the next season. Uh, hopefully we can push for a wild card spot, you know, towards the end of the season as well. Um, so, I mean, as, as far as we can do is we only can worry about one game, and that's this weekend. Yep. You guys played the Broncos earlier in the year. What would you learn from that first matchup that you can apply to this one? Um, I, I would say just eliminate the explosive plays, uh, stopping the run, and, you know, and just getting turnovers on defense. And I think that's somewhere where we can definitely improve at is getting our turnovers up. And, uh, and I think that can definitely help us this weekend. Philip Lindsay, what does he bring to an offense? Obviously, the quarterback, a bit of a mystery right now, and whoever it is is going to be a younger guy, but what does Philip Lindsay bring to this offense for the Broncos? He's an explosive back. Um, he's definitely, uh, I think, a, a valuable part of their offense, um, a fast electric guy, someone that's going to bring energy to their offense, make plays, and uh, and I think, you know, that's that's what makes him so special, you know. He's a second-year running back in the NFL, and he's doing a lot of things for their offense. So that's what that's what stands out the most to me. The secondary, at some point, probably can see Derwin and NAP on the field. What does the addition of those guys just mean to the defense in general? Yeah, uh, it it brings experience. Um, you know, those those are you know some more guys that that definitely going to bring in you know some leadership, bring in some com- the communication we need in the back end. The experience, veteran experience, and uh, guys that's going to make plays. And I think, you know, that'll definitely help us and give us a boost in the secondary. What you got for Thanksgiving, man? What's, a, what's an ideal Desmond King Thanksgiving plate look like? Uh, I'm getting the full thing. We're getting sweet potato pie. We got dressing. We got the mashed potatoes, the corn, the ham, turkey, all that good stuff, man. Cranberry on the dressing. So, yeah, it's going to be a good day. Um, you know, I'm going to be house hopping. Going to Thomas Davis' house. I'm going to Roger Teamer's house. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I got invited there, and uh, it's going to be a good day. Awesome, man. Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend. We'll see you in Denver, bud. Thank you, Chris. All right, here in the locker room with tight end Virgil Green. Virgil, going back to Denver, man, what did you guys learn offensively from the last time you guys played that you can apply to Week 13? Uh, You know, I think we just got to execute better uh, at the end of the day. Uh, It's our job to put points on the board. And, uh, you know, we got down in the red area a few times. I think we just got to finish and execute more offensively, um, regardless of where we're at on the field. I believe that first game was Melvin's first game back with you guys. Last three weeks, man, you guys have been getting that running game going. What has changed? Uh, You know, I don't think uh, much has changed other than making sure guys are more detailed um, and making sure we're working to the right guys and, um, making sure the backs know and understand that uh, up front we understand what we're doing so they can hit the holes and trust uh, our blocks. You know a lot of these guys from the Broncos, and I know we did this last year with you. Does it feel any different going back there, visiting some of your old uh, teammates? Uh, no. Um, at the end of the day, when game day comes around, 
Uh, I'm locked in, trying to do whatever I can to help my team win, and uh, I just want to go out there and win the game. So um, I don't even look at it like that. Obviously, yeah, you, like you said, I do have relationships with some of those guys over there, but um, it's a game, and I got to do my job. And finally, man, this type of weekend, you think more about things off the field and, and Thanksgiving weekend and family. You probably have a lot to be thankful for, man, outside of football. Absolutely. You know, family, uh, obviously have a job, a, a good job that um, I've been blessed to do for a long time. Um, so all, all those things, thankful for a roof over my head, uh, uh, food to eat, clothes to wear, um, just little things like that that you you – in the position we're in, we think they're little things, but at the end of the day, it's a true blessing uh, to be able to provide for my family in the way that I do. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. All right, here with defensive end Isaac Rochelle finishing this season strong. That's got to be the uh, call here. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still the NFL. The goal is still always to win games. Uh, so that's what we're focused on. I think we need to, um, you know, we, like you said, we need to finish strong. And not, it's not like we're trying to prove a point, but we need to be playing like we want to be playing. We need to become the team that we know we are uh, in these last five games. I, I go back to that Green Bay game. When all three phases were clicking, and if you do get a guy like Adrian Phillips or Darwin James back to the defense, what does that do, man? Yeah, well, those guys are just leaders. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. Um, and I think they're just pieces that we expected to have, and they were gone, and it kind of sometimes can uh, create a little bit of a different vibe. And I think, like I said, having them back creates a whole new vibe on the defense, new confidence. So I'm super excited for them to be back. As does this, I ask you the same thing. What did you guys learn in that first matchup with the Broncos that you can apply to this one? Yeah, I think for me personally, I'm like, I want to focus more on myself and on the team more than you know what we learned from playing them and about them. It's like we have to be, like I said, the best version of ourselves every single week going into these last five games, and I think that's more important than anything else. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. I said, what's that Thanksgiving plate going to look like today? What you got? I'm going to try to keep it healthy. I got I gotta, I gotta to reel it in. We had a little Friendsgiving, and I gained four pounds. So I've spent Wait, it, in, one, in one sitting. Yeah, I came in the next day. I'm four pounds heavier, so I gotta. I had a reeling in for the last couple of days. I'm gonna eat healthy today. Shout out to Ty McGill. Uh, he's been making big strides, both as a person and as a player. Desmond Kane, we already talked about him. Um, so yeah, appreciate you, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Of course. I'm here with Rayshon Jenkins, and Rayshon, if I'm not mistaken, your first career start came in Denver last year, right? Week 17. Yeah, week 17. I actually started at nickel. Yeah. So uh, that was a, that was a, I guess a new position for me. Well, it was a new position for me, especially having to you know kind of learn that on the fly. But uh, I play I played a good game and uh, it was fun fun experience. Yeah. Well, you're having a great season. Um, how comfortable do you feel each and every week? Um, I, f I feel comfortable, but I still um, I'm still always thinking about just getting better every every day. So every day I come in here, I literally just. Just think in my head, stay focused, stay focused, and just, you know, do what got you here to this point, and just, you know, don't, don't, I guess, um, shy away from the process. Just enjoy the process, every minute of it, every step of it. I think the last time we spoke here, it was the first day of training camp. It was you and AP together, and, right. and you talked about how AP, man, how much he has helped you mm -hmm. to potentially get him back on the field. What does that mean for this defense? Man, it's huge. I was telling him this week, just having him and Dermot back out there, man, just for me, 
it's just it goes back to that comfortable uh word you just brought up man just it, that's what it is it's just comfortability for me it's just you know knowing i got so well not saying you know the guys that was out there before you know weren't yeah but just you know these, these are personally yeah, pro bowlers for a reason too exactly these are personally my guys and these are some of the guys who helped shape my career you know here as a charger um and it's, it's just gonna be fun having uh, to be out there with those guys. Hey, this is a little off topic, but as a side note, you went to the U, and on Wednesday, Sean Taylor, 12 years since he's passed, how much does he mean to DBs around the league? Because this is the era you guys grew up watching Sean Taylor. Right, exactly, man. He means, you know, he, he's the DB movement. It, it, uh, he's the safety movement. He's, he's what every young safety aspires to be. Um, you know, I went to Miami. He was part of a reason why I went there. Um, I even got Miami tatted on me. I got, you know, I wore 26, you know, so I got it tatted on me. And it just means a lot, man. I really believe that orange and green. And, um, yeah, man, it was just sad about the situation, you know, you know, that went down with him. But, uh, man, I'll continue to, you know, just, just he'll always be my favorite safety. So I mean, I'm just watching his highlights, man. You can't pick just one. It, it's, it's literally if you had to, if you literally had to sit here and think of like draw your perfect safety, it's him. It'll be him. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be him. Four three six three two twenty. It's him. Yeah. yeah. Finally, man, Thanksgiving weekend. I'm sure you got a lot to be thankful for off yeah. the field as well, man. Oh yeah, uh, my kids. Uh, you know their mother. You know my family. I, I just love everybody. Uh. I'm thankful for everything, man. Thankful for being here. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it takes to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate fake, fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, guys, to get this week's Opposing View, presented by Mercury Insurance, we bring in Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post, covers the Broncos, does a great job. Ryan, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. You too, man. What's the latest here in Broncos country? Uh, I know there will be a quarterback under center for the Broncos. We're, we're still trying to figure it out as we tape this. Well, we can eliminate Joe Flacco because he's on IR. You can eliminate me because I don't play. So, um, it's wide open after know, we, that. Yeah, we're speaking before practice here on Friday. Um, all indications are it's going to be Drew Lockeros. They wouldn't have, wouldn't have you know, basically opened up the competition this week. Brandon Allen started the last three games, went one and two, but really struggled against Buffalo last Sunday, and lowest yardage output for the Broncos in 27 years. So, you might as well have three, uh, three and eight go with uh, Drew Locke, your second-round pick, see what you got, and see how that impacts your 2020 draft strategy. I was going to say, this has to be the optimal time to play Drew Locke, just to get him some reps. You drafted him in the second round. You have to see what you have in this kid. Maybe he is the franchise. Yeah, and at the, at the, you know, the semi-very least, he can be not the franchise yet, but also but a guy that you can count on moving forward Yeah, to see if he can – get a deserves a, a bigger shot a shot at that but you know he'll be the seventh starting quarterback since the beginning of 2016 here and that's just hard to believe um they've been throwing darts at the board ever since um this is more calculated second round pick traded up for him on draft on that second night of the draft and uh it, it's a heck of an opportunity and you, you look at the Broncos you say okay take advantage of the fact that your record is not good take advantage of the fact you're not going to the playoffs 
by using these last five games as a you know, process of discovery, not only for Drew Locke, but a bunch of other guys. And obviously these two teams, they're not strangers to each other. Played earlier in the year, Broncos beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. What are they saying about L.A. coming to Denver this Sunday? Well, a couple of things is, you know, that first game, the first game Broncos came in 0-4, they sprinted to you know, a two-touchdown lead and then put on. Chargers gave them a lot of help that day. But as Coach Vic Fangio pointed out uh, earlier this week, you know, this Charger team has Hunter Henry at tight end. He was injured in the first meeting. They have Melvin Gordon back toward more Melvin Gordon-ish performance. You know, he barely played in that first game because uh, he, you know, that was his first time being active this year. So, uh he says, you know, big dangers to the play caller hasn't really changed a lot of the offense, maybe just more emphasis on different things. So they're wary of that, and uh, they should be wary of Derwin James coming back if he makes his debut on Sunday. Yeah, the, the Chargers could get a, a couple of difference makers back in Adrian Phillips and Derwin James. Um, we'll see how that unfolds. But I think for any quarterback, young quarterback, veteran, it's always a challenge when you have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on the other side, what do you think the game plan would be? Whether it's Brandon Allen or Drew Locke, when you have a pass rush uh, as punishing as Bosa and Ingram? Well, you got to give them some help. Um, Garrett Bowles at left tackle hasn't been great. Elijah Wilkinson still in right tackle. I expect Eli to still start, even if Juwan James, the normal starter, is uh, cleared and ready to go. Maybe they have a little bit of rotation there. I'd use the tight ends and running backs to get in their way. Not necessarily to double team him, but just make Bosa and Ingram take wider routes. And I think Drew Locke, it's important for him if he's a starter to show a lot, a lot of awareness. You know, knows how to protect himself, knows how to give up on a play by throwing it away. And the same thing uh, that Brandon Allen is trying to do because he's been on, he's been running for his life a little bit as well. So that would be my major concern if I was the Broncos and, and Drew Locke as a starter. How do you devise a protection scheme to, to at least make him get comfortable? And the last time these two teams played, the Broncos had 191 yards rushing. A lot of big plays from Phillip Lindsay. How has the running game looked, and how do you foresee it looking, especially with a, a young quarterback under center? Well, they'll, they'll want to establish it. And you know, when they, you know, like a lot of teams, when they get a lead, they can really lean on that run game with Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. You know, in the last couple of weeks, when you uh, fall behind like Buffalo, you try and stay a little bit balanced, but eventually you got to abandon that to see if you can at least score quickly. But with, if, if, if it's lock under center, you know, do you, do you try and get a little bit more out of the screen game? Do you throw some, you know, quick stuff to your receivers? So I think getting lock into a rhythm is going to be critical on Sunday just so he can have some good things happen early and then make, maybe can build on that. You know, Ryan, both of these teams, Broncos 3-8, and eight, Chargers 4-7, and seven, this was not what they envisioned going into the 2019 regular season. At the same time, you talk about guys like Chris Harris, Von Miller, Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers. Uh, this is still a rivalry. It still has juice regardless of the record, right? It does. And, you know, Phillip Rivers and Chris Harris have faced each other forever. Keenan Allen uh, had some disparaging remarks about Chris Harris after the team's first meeting, which I didn't really get where that was coming from since, you know, Allen didn't have a great game, only four catches. So, uh, yeah, you always, when you see stuff like that, you expect a lot of chirping, but I think usually it just sort of goes away once the game starts because Chargers need to concentrate on their stuff because they're trying to keep their season alive. Broncos should be concentrating on themselves because they're three and eight. If they, if they don't worry about themselves, they're going to be three and nine. 
Ryan, when you look at just the landscape of the AFC, and I know you've seen a lot of these teams up close and personal just covering the Broncos, what do you make of the AFC West this year? I, I think in a year where the Chiefs look like they could be had a little bit, you know, the opportunities that the Chargers and the Broncos they've had throughout the year, they just haven't been able to capitalize. And then the Raiders, you know, they're kind of still hanging around despite, you know, losing to the Jets in, in a blowout fashion last week. Yeah, it's a completely mediocre division this year outside of Patrick Mahomes. You know, you start with the Chiefs. They played really have played one game good on defense the whole year, and that was at Denver on a Thursday night uh, when the Broncos were 2-4, and four, looking to get over that hump a little bit to 3-4, and four, couldn't do it, got blown out. You know, the Raiders have a negative point differential. They have a winning record. So, um, you know, anytime they go to the East Coast, it doesn't go well, as evident by the Jet game. The Chargers, I think, I mean, I, they're my pick to win the division going into this season. Obviously, a ton of injuries. But, yeah, they, they have to be kicking themselves for the opportunity because Kansas City has come back to the pack. The Chargers just haven't been able to take advantage of that. And I think the one key thing is turnovers. You know, it's sort of self-inflicted wounds for that team this year. And, and let's face it, when, when Melvin Gordon was holding out and that stretch into the season, you know, I know I was thinking, okay, when he does come back, it's going to take him a while to get going if he ever does get going this year. That's right. And he, he had 12 carries for 31 yards against the Broncos. That You mentioned it. It was his first game back. The last three weeks, the, the running game has been getting going for the Chargers, Ryan, but they haven't been able to have all three phases on the same page. You mentioned the turnovers, seven interceptions the last two weeks. When you're in games against the Raiders and the Chiefs with an opportunity to win them, obviously turnovers, something this team did not do last year in their 12-4 campaign, uh, that's spilling into 2019. For the Broncos, they've been in a lot of close games too. I mean, I, I point to that Minnesota game a couple of weeks ago. What do you think has been the the chief reason why the Broncos have struggled this year? They haven't been able to finish games. Uh, they had late leads at home against Chicago and Jacksonville, lost those games. Had one in Indianapolis and Minnesota, lost those games. So you split those two. Now you're looking at five and six instead of three and eight. You're, you know, you're in it. So, you know, this is, that's been a team, but you mentioned all three phases not you know, not coming together at the same time for the Chargers. Same thing for the Broncos. That's what happens when teams are struggling. It's always something. One week it's the offense. The next week it's the defense. The next week it's special teams and offense. And, and on and on you could go until you try and find that right mix, put everything together, get on a winning streak, and that's what's avoided these two teams so far. A lot of young weapons on this Denver Broncos offense, though. Uh, I, I look at Noah Fant. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and I, we did an Exit O segment where he was breaking down some of these big plays that Noah Fant has cooked up this year. Uh, Cortland Sutton as well. How have those guys started to gel? And they look like they're going to be kind of the future centerpieces of this offense. Yeah, I mean, right now this offense does go through Cortland Sutton. He's on pace for a thousand yard year, you know, maybe outside chance at the Pro Bowl. Um, but he was uh, defended by Trevius White last week in Buffalo had one catch. So mm. I think it's up to the Broncos coaches to say, hey, let's get him away from some of that coverage, maybe some of that double team stuff with motion or some kind of bunch look to see if he can, you know, try and get a matchup he likes. Yeah, as for Noah Fant, um, he's shown flashes as a receiver down the field. Um, you know, they put him in some bad situations where he's had to block guys one on one and not done it very well. But I think he you know, since his you know, Kansas City game where he had a couple drops um, he sort of has, has re a little bit, and uh, I think he is trending upward as a receiver. 
Ryan, final thing for you. What do you think decides this one? There's going to be some new players on the field, I think maybe for both teams. What do you think is going to decide it? Well, I, I point to Charles because the Chargers are turning it over, but the Broncos' defense isn't taking it away. Mm. Um, so can they capitalize on a couple Philip Rivers takeaways by scoring some points? The Broncos are last in the league in points off turnovers, and it's not even close. It's like 14 points worse than anybody else. So can they give their offense, can they give Drew Locke if he's a third, can they give him a short field and let him you know, build some confidence that way? If Philip Rivers plays turnover free and the Chargers play turnover free, I expect them to win. Ryan O'Halloran, Denver Post, is the weather going to cooperate for us on game day, Ryan? <laughs> well, fortunately, this game's not being played on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, or, or else people would have had trouble getting to the stadium. Uh, it's been steadily warming up as the week got on. There's still going to be a ton of snow in the area, uh, but the temperature should be manageable, you know, mid to upper 30s, and then cooling off as the game goes along. There you go. Ryan, always enjoy talking to you, man. Look forward to seeing you at the stadium. All right, take care now. Thank you. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too, especially on Thanksgiving weekend. Mercury Insurance, they can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That it gets you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance rate comparison profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Also, don't miss a minute of the action with the official LA Chargers app. Follow real-time stats, watch your favorite Bolts programming, and live local Chargers games all season long. Download today at chargers.com app. Geographic and device restrictions apply. Local and primetime games only. Data charges may apply. All right, guys, welcome back to our Beat Writers Roundtable. Week 13, Chargers taking on the Broncos in Denver. Jeff Miller, LA Times, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, and Joe Reedy making his roundtable <laughs> debut. <laughs> Joe, what what was that last? Joe, name? who? Wow. Joe Reedy, right. baby. Well, I guess we'll give him. A, give, we'll give the kid a shot here. <laughs> Joe, how are you, sir? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. Jeff, we did this in a closet two weeks ago. <laughs> we right did. now, it, again, if if this was videotaped, it'd look a little strange, right? We're we're in a we're in a circle of chairs without a table. We are, yeah. We're there is no, not even the table isn't round. There is no table at all. So <laughs> Joe uh, has the best uh, chair in the house. Joe's in a Scorsese director's chair, just over overlording everything. <laughs> but uh, I think Jeff, when you used to do the round table with Terry Smith and the Angels, it wasn't a round table either. It was almost like a straight line in the dugout. It, it was, and there were a lot of times we you did that just standing up. There wasn't even a place wow. place to sit. So at least we have chairs here. The Chargers at least give us somewhere to, exactly. to sit. Exactly. Taking relax. care of you guys to an extent, right? So five weeks left, gentlemen. Chargers are four and seven. Coming off a bye, uh, we can revisit Mexico City a little bit. It, it was a cool experience. It was a game that the Chargers first half, two to one in time of possession, over 300 yards of total offense, just nine points to show for it. I think the theme was just turnovers and not being able to punch it in. Threes, not sevens, and that was the problem. Yeah, that was a strange first half. We, we it was a strange game, really, and it was a very strange first half. They dominated that first half, and it, I mean, there were historical facts in there that have happened very rarely in the NFL. The number of yards they had and the lack of points, and the fact that they played 
you know, they dominated the first half and went to halftime behind, which was obviously a deflating sensation for them. And they, to their credit, I mean, they hung around and they had a chance at the end. But it's just, it's just been that kind of season where they, the plays need to be made. And they're, we saw this team last year make all those plays. And this year they're making very few of them. That's what I was going to say, Gil. This team last year, 12-4, and four, but they played in about the same amount of close games. Every single game this year, seven points or less that they've lost by, they just haven't been in on the right side of it. Yeah, it's been flipped this year. Like you said, a year ago they were winning games in Pittsburgh, coming back and coming back in KC. In that game down the stretch in Mexico City, you kind of felt like it was going to be KC at Arrowhead. Part oh, two. Part two all over again. Not, uh, that, was a, that was a Thursday night. It was a Monday night. You got Phil going down the field. He's, he's throwing up these prayers, and he finally gets one to Mike Williams. That, that was a great catch, by the way. Made one of the best catches of the year. And then you get that reception to kind of, you know, on the downside. But it's kind of been the same old story. You're like, you're right there. And you just can't find a way to get it done. And I, I think it's, you know, the frustration must be kind of, you know, boiling, boiling over for the Chargers because they're, they're right there. Who knows what the record would be right now to get some of those wins. The buy for these guys probably came at the right time to kind of reset here. It was kind of an odd, week, odd three weeks, really, because you had a Thursday night game. Then you had a Monday night game. Then you have a bye. So you haven't played, actually, on a Sunday for the last three weeks, Joe. So to get back against an opponent who has some uncertainty at the quarterback position, a division opponent you know pretty well, you know maybe this team can get to 5-7 and seven Sunday. Yeah, and I think the other key, too, is with this season, and Anthony kind of alluded to it earlier in the year. Last year, they had Murphy's Law on their side. This year, Murphy's Law is kicking their butt <laughs> up and down, left and right, down the field. And I think the the stat that is going to pop out at the end of the year is points that opponents have scored off Chargers turnovers. Defense has played well 90% of the time, but when they've needed to get that stop after a turnover, it just has not happened. And... I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see this team the last five games because I rarely remember a time in the NFL where you've had that mini buy and then you've had the full buy with only one game in what, like the last 21 days or something. It just rarely happens. Maybe for a team that was two and 14 the prior year, they get that break with that with a mini buy and then a buy. But for a team that was supposed to entertain playoff hopes to get the to have that fortunate of a schedule break this late in the season, you just rarely see it. I think the last couple of weeks have just reinforced to me just how independent each season is, right? I mean, you can even look at the the team up the street with the Rams yeah. and Sean McVay and, and those guys were in a Super Bowl last year. You lose 45-6 to six on Monday night in your place. Um, every single season is different. This Chargers team, I think the big thing last year, they went stretches of taking care of the football. And they turned the ball. They they got the ball too, but they took care of the football on offense. When you have, you know, and Philip was is the first one to admit it. You can't have seven interceptions in, in two games because you put your team in a position to where you can't win ball games. But just little things and, and turnovers are probably the theme of twenty nineteen. I, I think that's exactly it. And, and Joe referenced it a little bit. Is they they're having these turnovers, and everybody who thinks this is what Philip Rivers always does is. I understand the fans' frustrations who've seen a lot of this, but he's never had seven interceptions in back-to-back games. So this is like historic for for him. He's never done this. And I I think um, 
you know, for that reason, you're seeing a lot of this doubt from outside and a lot of people wondering, what are we, are we seeing the end of Philip? Is this the beginning of the end? Is this, you know, is this it? And, but the other side of that, like Joe references, is that they're not taking the ball away. And Anthony talked about that this week where they, they're giving it away and they're not taking it away. And if you go back to training camp, remember that was going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that. Talk. We're going to we're going to get the ball this year. That was kind of an emphasis. I don't we're know. We're going to score on defense. Yeah, and I don't know what happened with that, other than the fact they just haven't produced. But uh, they the defense has played well. They've had some bad stretches. They've given up some brutal drives at the end of games that have lost games. But they have. They one thing they haven't done is they haven't taken the ball away. So if they even if all the char- turnovers the Chargers have had, if they were getting the ball back. In, in, a, in an equal way, it wouldn't look as bad. So it it, it looks even worse because they they aren't producing on the on the defensive side of things. They're not producing those turnovers. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you brought you brought that up. Not to think about it. there hasn't been like a scoop and score or pick six. Nothing like they haven't been scoring points. But the defense, you know, for the most part, has been doing their job. They held the, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes, to four punts in the fourth quarter. They shut them down and in the first quarter. So every time Philip Rivers needs one stop. To get the ball back, the, the Chargers have delivered on defense. But when it comes to the offense, they haven't been scoring. But it just kind of feels like, you know, it's like four-game stretches or something. They can't do something. They, they can't run the ball. Or they're struggling in the secondary. Or now they can't pass the ball well. So it just seems like they can't put it together this this season. And like you mentioned, Chris, every year is different. And, and everybody just assumes this team's going to go back to the playoffs and be 12-4. and four. Then you get Derwin Hurt, who you know, hopefully comes back this week. But then the injuries pile up. And the go-to-go turnovers, you can't run the ball for 40 yards. It just seems like it's there's something. It's a perfect storm. Yeah. It's the perfect storm of a lot of different things. You mentioned Derwin. Uh, his loss cannot be overstated. Neither can Adrian Phillips's, especially on special teams and, and what he does in, in terms of just being kind of a, a teacher on the field, too. He's an extension of the coaching staff, and, and I know Derwin can attest to just how much he learned from Adrian. To get those guys back perhaps at the same time Sunday is a big boost for this defense, probably a little late. Nonetheless, you can see what this defense looks like with a guy like Derwin James in a second season, Joe. Yeah, because I think – the the decrease in turnovers and last year they didn't get many turnovers. You don't have a Derwin James, you don't have an Adrian Phillips, you don't have a Nasir Adderley, which we saw in that Frisco preseason game, the way he could get to get to the ball in basically no time flat. You know, they're they're doing a good job rushing the quarterback, but when you don't have the guys in the back end to take advantage of that. And I think we thought the linebackers were going to be better as far as getting turnovers and stuff, and that hasn't that hasn't happened either. That it just it it compounds things, and you know that this defense has played well in spite of the injuries at secondary. But I think the lack of turnovers has been the one thing that has stood out, and. I, you know, too, just uh, Travis Kelsey finally had a big game against the Chargers where, you know, that Kansas City game, you just bang your head against the wall further because they were missing receivers. They were down to what? Their fourth string running back in the fourth quarter. And they still they still couldn't find a, find a way to get it in. But there have been many frustrating losses like that this season. You go back to Oakland. Pick six was basically the difference in mm-hmm. the end, and another interception in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, you could probably point to every single game, and there's a turning point. There's a play that could have swung that game the other way. I want to go back to Phillip for just a second because he kind of alluded to it today, and I think 
there is some validity to it. Like sometimes we are prisoners of the moment, right? And and we look at Phillips' last two games and the seven interceptions, and you're like, oh man, well what's going on? But three weeks ago, not just Phillip, but this team played a complete game, all three phases against the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, are eight and three in the NFC. And you know, we saw them get beat. Maybe something about the West Coast and the Packers just don't mix. <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes. It's easy to do this in this 24-hour news cycle in the NFL where things change so rapidly is to get caught up in what we just saw and not look at it as a whole. So I'm interested to see how Phillip and this offense finish the season with five games to go against divisional opponents starting with the Broncos, guys. Yeah, and I think it's going to be very important um, and because uh, there is, there's some uncertainty about where this team's going to go. Where's, you know, is, is Phillip... You know, I think we all would agree that we all assume he's going to be here next year and they're going to work this out. Um, but it's, I, you know, it, there's where that seemed like a certainty a month ago. Now you're starting to wonder, well, maybe they're thinking otherwise. But uh, part of that, I think, is everybody wants to be out front and be the one that decides this is it this is it for rivers and you know there's this urgency always to bury somebody and we all we all do it it's just that's the way the media is is always you know i think the media's always been that way but it's even more so now given social media and everything else and there's so much media that everybody is is piling on the guy and i i don't know i mean we do see moments that you make you wonder like what what's happening here is you know he just doesn't look like you know last year he looked so good for so long most of the season and this year we just have seen a a, a pretty obvious drop off but it's you know it, it's a difficult situation and i think it's you know it's it's going to be really interesting in the next 5 weeks how the offense plays how they respond how philip responds and then what that means going going into the offseason i think it's impossible to properly dissect and diagnose exactly what has happened because i think it's been a combination of things you know the the turnovers the injuries to the offensive line too i, I think you have to talk about that with with mike pouncey and russell Kuhn, who each played 16 games last year. Mm-hmm. To not have those guys for a bulk of the season is a big deal. To not have Melvin Gordon at the start of the year and to kind of go through that those four games where you just couldn't run the football and all of a sudden the running game was there, but something else wasn't. You know, so it's you know again I'll go back to Baltimore on Monday night. You could tell that defense was feeding off the offense and the special teams and everybody was clicking at the same time. And that's what we saw from this team last year for whatever reason, whether it's injuries, whether it's performance, whether it's turnovers, that just hasn't necessarily been the case. Yeah, and if you look at the stats, Philip Rivers is second in the league in passing yards. So they're moving the ball. He's getting them to the red zone. And just when they get to the red zone and go to go, they can't finish. You know, they're right there. And, and who knows? Maybe it's a, maybe it's Rivers thinking, I don't have time to throw enough protection with the, with the banged up O-line. Let me just throw it up there and see who catches it. And also, you don't have a wide receiver three stepping up. You have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the double teaming those guys. And uh, Hunter Henry's been a, little, been a little quiet, too. But I, I think Phil also admits he's been missing throws. He's been making poor decisions. He's kind of, he made it, he was pointing out that's a, it's a difference between a poor throw and a poor decision. Uh, I think he, he said he missed the Austin Eckler, who could have been, been a first down. But when, when you're, when you need a win and you're playing desperate, sometimes you kind of just throw it up there. I think that kind of just starts to snowball a little bit. But it's just been a season of a lot of missed opportunities. Like, you go back to that first Denver game when you were, I think they were uh, two and two. They just beat Miami, and you, you see a, a string of games of Denver, Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget the other game. I think it was a, 
oh, it was Miami, Denver, and Pittsburgh. Like, if you win those three games in a row, yeah. you're back in it. Oh, yeah. And you, you beat Miami, but you lose to Denver, you lose to Pittsburgh, and then it starts snowballing more and more. So it just feels like a, a whole— It goes s- back to Green Bay, too, Gil. Like, you beat Green Bay, okay, guess what? We have the Raiders and Chiefs on deck. Mm-hmm. If we beat the Raiders, we beat the Chiefs, and even losing to the Raiders— if you beat the Chiefs, you're a game back of Kansas City yeah. at that point. So there has been opportunities. They just have not been able to capitalize, Joe. Yeah, and I think it's been swashbuckler Phil the whole year, but it's been many layers to it because he didn't have Melvin the first four games, was relying on the receivers and Keenan. Keenan finally catches a touchdown pass again in KC, but he's the only receiver with touchdown receptions. I mean, Mike Williams has had many. Mike Williams has reminded me of Tyrell Williams last year in terms of the the, the chunk uh, catches and everything, but he's not getting into the end zone. I think five catches of four, at least forty three yards last month. Yeah, for Mike Williams. Yeah, the last three games, it's been like five catches of, of forty three or more. And it's like, yes, Phillips second in the league in yards, but he's also second in the league in interceptions which I think nobody's going to catch Jameis this year for the uh, interception lead. But it's it's been many layers to the offense because I think when Mel came back, they were trying to get him in, and then you had some philosophy differences with the offense that, you know, there was to change midseason. But it was almost with the way the offense played against Kansas City and the play calls, it almost reminded me of that October stretch where it was like you're facing a de- defense that's th- the third worst run defense in the league, and you're not taking advantage of it, even though it's still a one score and one possession game. So it, it was, it's just been mystifying on a number of levels, but injuries, turnovers. It's all interrelated, and it's also why this is a week-to-week league. You beat Green Bay, you think you're back, and then four days later comes the uh, loss at Oakland, and everything's down in uh, Dower again. It's the reality of the NFL. Guys, we end our roundtable every week. Player to watch, Denver Broncos. We'll start with Jeff Miller. A player to watch Sunday. You're going to have eyes on. Wow. Player to watch. Um it's hard to it's hard to go with anywhere other than the quarterback, isn't it? Just because it's such a it just feels like such a big moment and such a defining moment. And maybe we're overemphasizing this. Maybe we're not emphasizing it enough. I don't know, but I, it, I, it will be interesting to see how Philip responds. I mean, he had a you know he's had two rough rough games back to back, and this is I think we all would agree this is a game that's very winnable. I mean they um, they should win this game by all rights uh that doesn't mean they will obviously not in this league but i think it, it will it's going to be really interesting to see how philip responds i i like the guy i hope he plays well i mean it would be it'd be nice to see him uh come back and and put together a, a nice game and uh so it, it it's just i have a hard time I'll, i'm really interested to see what the rest of you guys say because i don't know where else <laughs> i would look other than and since i went first i'll take the really easy one yeah. and say i'll go to number 17 gil you go second then well obviously i was gonna say philip rivers but jeff <laughs> took that one uh but i'll go with a player who's not technically on the active roster right now and i'm just gonna assume he's gonna play is uh derwin james I, I think just as a football fan you're excited to see this guy back on the field and see what he can do uh, but again, you, you got to realize that they just had he had foot surgery three months ago, 
And I remember Joey Bosa saying that he wasn't the right guy, the same guy coming off that injury. So I think for Derwin, it's going to take some time. But I'm curious to see how much he does, uh, how eager he is, what he wants to do. Uh, but just to see what he, what he could bring to this team. And maybe for, for the Chargers, it could be a, a nice little boost, a little jolt for the last five games and see what you could do with Derwin James on the field. What about you, Joe? I'm going to go Hunter Henry because in that first game against Denver, the Broncos' defense did a very good job taking away the receivers in the intermediate and deep game. Austin Eckler had the 15-reception game because everything underneath was being open. So with Hunter, with what he's been able to do, I think he's since he's come back averaging eight targets, six receptions a game, does that open things up to where Phillip can take more of the deep shot and the intermediate in the intermediate stuff is open to kind of open up this offense, and then does that get the run game going too? Yeah, I think Phillip is the answer. Um, well, of course he is. That's why I picked That's him. why Jeff went first. <laughs> I, I think the combination for me of Adrian Phillips and Derwin James, those two guys – from an energy and leadership standpoint, how does that affect the defense overall? Does it bring a little more confidence, a little more swagger to the defense, knowing that you have a guy like 33 back there and a guy like Adrian Phillips who can really put everybody in places where they need to be? So how that affects the defense, maybe it leads to an interception, maybe a scoop and score. You know, I, and I think that's what the defense has been missing. And uh, just taking the easy way out and just, just taking all your guys' players and, and wrapping them into one, Phillip, Hunter, even a guy like Mike Williams. Can Mike Williams put together a game that goes beyond just one big 40-yard catch? Can he put can together he score a, a touchdown? Can he score a touchdown? No. Again, 11 total touchdowns last year, none this year. Can Mike get in the end zone for the first time in 2019? should be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Derwin. That'll be fun. I hope he plays. I hope he's healthy. I mean, Gil mentioned I, he looks fine. I mean, he, he looks like he's, you know, you look at him and they're not doing anything special with his foot or anything. He looks great, so it'll be fun. You guys hope, can attest to this, too. Last year, just it was just fun to watch him. Oh, where he great. was lined up, where what he was going to do next. It was where's Waldo kind of thing. Yeah. Like, we, they, they were moving him all over the place. So it's funny. I, I was talking to Thomas Davis this week, and he – as I'm talking to him, it occurred to me that he's never played in a game, real game with with That's right. Derwin. That's right. So, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it. You know, I've seen him, I've seen it on film. I'm looking forward to doing it, being out there That's myself." A great point. So, it, I think they're all looking forward to it. And I think if he is back, he's playing his way. I don't think there's any question that it's going to be there's going to be swagger, whatever you want to call it. That they, they all should feel that. I mean, he's he's that good of a player. Well, and it's been fun to see. Because I, I had the benefit of seeing him in two years at Florida State before before coming out here. The, the many different ways they line him up at Florida State has translated to the NFL and has been as successful to where you keep going. How did this guy drop down to the 17th overall pick? We'll never understand that. Yeah, Joe, I mean, that'll, it's a, that'll never be explained. It seemed like he was <laughs> destined for Tampa Bay, and then Tampa Bay goes in a whole nother direction. It's like, what are what are you guys doing? And you know, then he falls to seventeen, and it, it, just a natural fit and everything. That you know, the ability to play as a linebacker, to be the edge rusher, and and all that. It's been fun to see that translate translate to this and. You know, when he had the meniscus injury at Florida State as a sophomore, he didn't come back the rest of the season. So the interesting thing for me is how he comes back after an in-season injury. All right. 
I lied. Last question. <laughs> Favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Gil. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You, you got to be five seconds or less here. We got to go. We got to go. Everything. I like mac and cheese, like stuffing. Everything. Gra- gravy. That's your answer. All right. All right. Mashed potatoes. Mashed right. potatoes. Oh, man. Joe. Then he, then he picks Joe. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> can't, can't beat a good uh, cornbread sage or uh, oyster stuffing. Cornbread sage. Wow. Let's go. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Yeah. All right. Stuffing. It's great. Happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. You too. You too. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to all of our guests. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to download and subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network. We're now on Spotify and SoundCloud, too. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the Chargers Podcast Network. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday weekend and the game on Sunday. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.